This is a new show we're doing. It's called Two, Two Geezers, Geezers Rambling. Rambling. And it's us in a forest. <laughs> Welcome to Soho House Stories with me, George Lamb. In this series, I'm going to be talking to inspirational people from all walks of life as they share with me what inspires them as well as how they got to where they are now. This time, I'm speaking to Alan Sipa Mustafa, a.k.a. Big Daddy MC Grinder from the massively popular BBC series, People Just Do Nothing. What's going on? What's up? Yeah, they've got a dead What's going on, Steffi? You all right, yeah? In 2010, Mustafa, an aspiring MC in real life, began filming a little web series with his three mates, Hugo Chegwin, Steve Stamp and Asim Chowdhury. Right, next you Jedi, yeah? Eight years and several awards later, they're putting out the fifth and final series of the show. I met Alan in September after he just finished filming the series. So I'm here with Big Daddy Grinder. How you doing, boss? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me down. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dragging yourself away from what is clearly, because I know this because I stalk you on Instagram, <laughs> a very busy schedule. Yeah, I try, man. I'm trying. You guys are five seasons in now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's it been going? Six years, seven years? Yeah, pretty much. Well, uh, on telly since, yeah, 2012, I'd say, yeah. So I was about to start telling you how it all came about. <laughs> You're here. You do it. How did, yeah, it, yeah. All, how did it all start? Everyone kind of knew Hugo. So Asim used to go college with Hugo. Steve used to go to school with Hugo. They're friends. They're originally from Brentford. They're friends growing up. Which college is this? Asim and Hugo went West Thames College. Oh, the... Shout out West Thames. And then I met Hugo from... Um, like, I used to basically want to be a rapper, and that's what I was into. And, and I kind of met him through music and just smoking weed and just making hip-hop together. But we didn't used to get much music done. We used to be obsessed with like The Office and Peep Show and Alan Partridge. So what is this late noughties? Then, this is like, yeah, this is late noughties. This is, this is 2007. And we just used to film each other. Me and Hugo used to just film each other on, when camera phones kind of first came out. For nothing, like, you know, we deleted videos afterwards just to make each other laugh in the room. We were stoned, basically. And then Hugo said that his mate's travelling the world and he's stopping off in Thailand for a month. His mate's Steve. And he was like, should we go out there and meet him and, and just do a little trip for a month? So went out there, met Steve, started forming these little characters, like telling them about these voices that we do. Um, and he was like, yeah, we should maybe try and do something of it. Like in our past lives, separately, uh, I used to do pirate radio, Hugo used to do pirate radio, Steve done a bit of DJing and stuff. So we kind of all knew that world. And, and yeah, we kind of came up with air in Thailand, really. What were you doing for a living at this point? Me, extracurricular activities. Right, okay. Yeah, and the call centre for half the year as well. Keep right, it balanced. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what call centre were you working in? Oh, man, um, what was it called? CTC, shout out CTC. I actually got Hugo and Asim a job there and we met Decoy in that call centre. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you selling or what were you... Magazines. Any, what, yeah, yeah. any particular... Yeah, like um, Gardeners Weekly or whatever. Like what? every magazine, like motorbike ones, every magazine. What, and people would ring you and say, I'd like to buy... No, 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 it was you'd cold ring... calling. Like we were calling them. So you'd ring people and be like, hello, hello, yeah, yeah, would yeah, you yeah. like to buy Hello, gardeners? there is uh, Alan here and, uh, you know, that, that sort of vibe. <laughs> were you any um, good? I was all right, but that's more because I was good at sort of 
just lying to the people we worked for. I wasn't actually good at the job sort of thing. But you got the gift of the gab. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, I was blazed out of my mind then, so I didn't really have the gift of the gab at the time. Because it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was us four, and also Fatty, one of our mates that we met there as well, shout out Fatty. We used to just sit on the back row together, take it off record, and just prank people all day doing different accents. And I think maybe that sort of helped the that whole, helped uh, as well. maybe, you know, that's that sounds like, sometimes I think of it, I'm like, yeah, that might have been like, the well, early it's all part stages of it. Of it. Yeah, in yeah, some yeah. way, that yeah. place will have pushed you and motivated yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, you smoke a little zoo on the break, come back, prank people. It was probably the second best job I've ever had. After after the, the, after the Don Daddy. Yeah, after uh, killing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're all working in this call centre and you're pranking people. Yeah. At what point do you move off camera phones and, like, how do you get a camera uh, involved? Okay, so um, Asim, who plays your buddy G... Like I say, he's part of our circle and through Hugo. Because at that time, it was a time where you could get a little Canon 7D and film little hip-hop hood videos. Yeah. You know, like the early sort of grime and, and hip-hop video. And Asim used to do that as a little side hustle with the guy that plays Fantasy, Marvin. So, so we just kind of looked... See, with Jibadi, Jibadi were doing oh, side yeah. hustle oh, yeah, grime yeah. videos. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. And it. weddings as well. Really? Yeah, uh, I... They had an amazing name for their company. I, could, I can't remember what the wedding name was, but Asim was essentially the cameraman for the first two webisodes that we did. Uh, obviously, YouTube was a thing that was just popping off at the time, uh, but it was very early, so we didn't know... We weren't kind of savvy enough to, like, put something up and be like, yeah, this is how you promote it or whatever. We just... We found it funny, and, like, sort of selfishly, we just wanted to put it out because we didn't, we didn't really care what anyone else thought. And, like... Not in an arrogant way, but I think that's the best way to do it because... Um, it's the only way to do it. Yeah, it's the only way. And it's different when you're just on your own, but when you've got five of you, you know one person's going to tell you it's shit or one person's going to... Do you know what I mean? And, we're, and would you call each other out? Of course, yeah, yeah. We always had to be on like our like peak game. It's like, you know, you, you know that if you're you're doing something that's not funny, like no one's laughing in the room, then we got... You know what I mean? It's like... And, and let's we, go again, guys. Yeah, let's, let's go, go again. again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we just got to trust each other's opinions because um, like, we're very lucky to have met each other. Like, they're all so talented. It's funny, I probably wouldn't be anywhere without them, do you know what I mean? And like vice versa in the way, we, we all sort of pushed each other. Is that weapon X? What? Is that weapon X? So yeah, we put that first episode on YouTube. And the first episode was us going through a drive-through in McDonald's. Remember that? We used to get the fucking, we used to get to mix up all the all the fucking milkshakes together with that, like, like a co- like a cocktail, right? Like, you know, kind of like like Ali G style, like the, like the people aren't in on it, sort of thing. Yeah. Like they, we didn't have any permission or anything like that, and yeah, it's really basic. You know, you know the sauces. What sauces you do? Well, I don't want any of them. I don't want any of them sauces, what? Right? You're having like a sauce or something. I don't yes, want a fucking sauce. Boys, boys, stop the whip, stop the whip, stop the whip. Oi. And that was a slow burner. I mean, it got like maybe like, I don't know, 20,000 views in like a year. You know, it was really, we were using like our Facebook. No, 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 no. We are just like putting it up on our Facebook for our friends to see and stuff like that. And I think um, Lily Allen saw it somehow and she tweeted it. And then we got 20,000 views in a year. But when she tweeted it, we got another 20,000 views in that one day. And then I think Professor Green saw it. We had a little meeting with him. And we never wanted to do cameos, though, because we wanted to keep it just, like, authentic to, 
you know, that world. But it was nice to know that these people were appreciating it and it was kind of going round. Right, uh, my name's Chobadi G, entrepreneur. Uh, people come to me when they want stuff, when they want people to dealt with. I'm landlord, I'm community officer, agony aunt, agony uncle, brother, friend, lover. And um, and then episode three, we were chatting to Asim and he had this character that he used to do on prank calls. He used to prank call brothels with the Jabadi G voice. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'd call up and be like, is Jabadi G here? Are the ladies clean? You know, that yeah. stuff like that. And just for us, it's so silly. Uh, I'm a fifth degree black belt jiu-jitsu, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So mostly when people chuck with me, I don't even knock them out. I actually make, I actually submit them. So we were chatting, we were like, yeah, you should do that character. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, as soon as he went on camera, he was just hilarious. And like it was all improv as well, and he killed it. Um, yeah, I'm the guy to come see whenever you want, whatever you want. T-Mobile, contract. So at this point, when you started out, yeah. you guys still, obviously, you had no idea what was going to happen. So all no. of you then, or, or at least some of you, still had your heart set on becoming like recording artists. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I wasn't smoked a lot of weed, so I, so I wasn't that proactive, but in my mind, I always thought, uh, you know, like, I don't know, I just always wanted to do something creative and like rapping, MC and everything. Was there a lot of music in your house when you were growing up? Not really. Like, no. my mum used to listen to like opera. Like, it was so different, you know? Like, this is just something, maybe it was kind of a rebellion. I got Snoop Dogg Doggy Style on tape from one of my older sister's friends, yeah, when I was 11. And then, from then, was the I was just that hooked. Was... Yeah, I was just like, yeah, I was just hooked. How long before you knew every lyric? On, that, oh, I was at junior afternoon. school, like, with braiding my hair. Really? And, yeah, it's ridiculous. Nice. And, like, spitting every <laughs> lyric in the playground, and no one knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, and obviously they weren't into stuff like that at that age. Um, and then when I first heard Jungle, I was like, right, this is sick. This is something from the UK that I can really get into. <laughs> and then, obviously, and I started out as a Jungle MC on Pirate Radio. Right, okay. And what, yeah. what pirate radio were you on? Uh, Rampage FM. Right, okay. What was the frequency on that? I can't remember Over. now, man. Yeah. So, and then how did you get into Rampage then? So my friend, uh, Rash, who was younger than me at school, he used to talk, he used to, you know, like, like youngers, they talk a lot, and, and, and he used to say about this pirate radio station, I was like, yeah, I didn't really believe him. And then one day I was like, fuck it, yeah, I'll come with you. I came, I was like, oh, okay, sick. This is my first time on pirate radio. Were it's you any good? Mad. Yeah, I was, a, I was a jungle MC. I used to MC at parties and that. And like, the thing is, people weren't really in, like, there wasn't many MCs and DJs, like, where, where I was from, sort of thing. And so there'd be a few, and a few, you'd probably, like, emulate other people's lyrics and stuff like that at parties, you know what I mean? Yeah, no yeah, one's yeah. any, any you know, know, no one's yeah, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Or even <laughs> if they are, they're like, do your Romeo impression, man, it's sick. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Shit yeah, like that. Yeah. And the guy that was younger than me was into, like, Garage and stuff like that. So his show was a Garage show. So I just, <laughs> my first ever set, put on a, a DJ hype CD. Yeah, I didn't have a DJ and what, I just, just MC'd, MC'd over, over the whole thing. Wow, yeah, really? Yeah. Okay, but that's amazing, yeah, dude. man, it's just like... To go into that innovation. Yeah, yeah bruv, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I was really shook, I remember. But uh, I loved it afterwards. So how many years were you on Pirate for? Yeah, so after that, Rampage FM closed down and Rash, the guy that got me on there, ended up starting his own station. His mum moved into... Um, they used to have a council flat, but then his mum met someone, moved in with her partner, and left the flat to him. Like, Bingo. and we were like, you know, like he was like 16, I was like 18. Like, we had the place to ourselves, so we ran Corrupt FM from there. Really, with all the people off of Rampage. Called 
called Corrupt FM. Called Corrupt. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. Corrupt FM is real. In Kingston. We used to, yeah, we used to have the we used to the area was on Cambridge Estate, um, down the road from where we were. Um, but yeah, it was really his thing. But I was like helping him run it, right. sort of thing. And so he's all like, did throw your case up? Is that all? No, 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 no. That's what I mean. It's just like, but it was spelt with a K. So right. you know, looking back at it, it's funny. And, and what does I he make of it? Yeah, yeah, I chat to him now, and he's he's like, he thinks it's jokes, and he's happy. So what age were you when you started recording People Just Do Nothing? And was it called People Just Do Nothing at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. It was always called People Just Do Nothing. Uh, Steve come up with that idea with um, a backwards knack tick underneath it. So it's like, you know, like, just do it. People yeah. just do nothing. And we thought it just made perfect sense because um, it's about these <laughs> group of guys that um, put so much into their world, but essentially nothing ever happens in it. <laughs> yeah. So like, it just sort of made perfect sense, man. Steve smashed it with that name. I mean, we we blossomed really late in life. Right. Like we were waste for ages. So I'd say about 25, 24, when we started the YouTube stuff. So, and what, what, how old were you when you left school? Basically, I failed my GCSEs. So I went to college to do a first diploma in music tech. You know, they always tell you if you fail your GCSEs, your life's over. Yeah. It's bollocks. You can do anything. Just pick your avenue. So, I'd, yeah, I went to, did a first diploma for a year. Then I did a national diploma for two years. Got into uni, then, then went to uni for five years. Never passed the first year. I never went in. You I did just five lots of yeah. first year. What were you yeah. doing? Just skimming, just, skimming uh, grants again, and whatever. Man, or... Weed and taking the grants and going traveling. Right. Yeah. yeah it's just. Yeah, it's okay. Stupid. So, but you were. So, yeah. But well, look, you yeah, know, it's life, isn't it? That's you know, yeah. I, I gained life experience. <laughs> yeah. But you're kind of I don't know six seven years in of of kind of being a grown up. Yeah. And doing fuck all. And it's not really happening. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I always think back at this as well. I, think, I always think, how was I not Going an nuts. anxious mess? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's because we always had little things to focus, focus on and work on. So like, you know, even if it was a delusion, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be doing my mixtape. I'm recording this. I'm recording that. We're doing little gigs here and there. You know, like, not, like, it isn't a delusion though, is it? No, if you're yeah, doing, you exactly. Know. At the time, you think that's what you want to do. And, and it is what I wanted to do, but you just never know where your path's going to take you after that. So we never just sat on our ass and did nothing, but it's more like in the eyes of, uh, you know, like a traditional parent world. or the outside world, you're doing fuck all. Because, what did your mum make of it? Uh, it was a lot of lying to my mum, you know, like, which is which is pretty mad. Like, yeah, I kind of led a double life. I always said that, yeah, I'm going studio, I'm going here, I'm going here. and But really... You know, a lot of that time was just spent sitting while smoking weed with my friends, you know what I mean? Right, but she knows you. Your mum knows whether, whether, you, whether yeah. you're skint and you're doing well or not. Yeah, Do you know exactly, what I mean? so, exactly. So, like, I mean, even now, she's like, you should still go back to, to uni and finish it. Even now? <laughs> even now, yeah. Wow, because she's from that generation yeah, where you need man. a... Yeah, and they come from, like, they come from, like, struggles in other countries right. where they had to work real hard. My dad was one of the first people to get a scholarship in the 60s from Iraq to, to study in, in Europe. And he studied in Prague. That's where he met my mum. Wow. My mum was like 19 when she like sort of ran away from her, you know, family at the time to live with him in Baghdad because they were racist in, in, in Prague. Wow. So, and that would have, would it, was it still under Soviet control? Oh, yeah, Baghdad? no, it was communist. Yeah, fully. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you get out of... I don't know. You, you wow. get blies. There's ways around it. But yeah, I don't know, So man. she So she got out of communist Prague yeah, and went yeah. to live in Baghdad. In Baghdad. What was she, that like? She said it was amazing. They used to I like bet. sleep on the roofs in the village. This was like, it was, it was nothing like it is now, you know. And also, my sister, um, she was born in Baghdad in '84, '83. Uh, the Kurds was getting persecuted by Saddam at the time, so, and my dad is, you know, Kurdish, so they had to run away. 
and start a life somewhere else. So, they became, you know, there was refugees, essentially. They got offered Spain or England, and then England was the one that worked out. And then I was born, like, a year or two later here. So, so for me, like, I'm, you know, I'm... You know, smoking weed, I'm getting nicked and all this sort of shit. They're like, what the fuck? What's happened? <laughs> right, but that's what I'm asking. You know, you've got immigrant parents yeah. who come here and they're like, well, you don't yeah. even know about struggle. Yeah, yeah, so exactly, what are you, yeah. what are you playing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and my sister was always really good, you know. Right, because she like, was on, she knew, yeah, she remembered yeah. struggle yeah, somewhere man. in her subconscious. Yeah, 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 I guess so, yeah. And like, yeah, she was like really sort of business focused and like super academic you know what I mean like the opposite of me the irony yeah yeah so Uh, for my uh, mum it must have just been like wow what the hell has happened but then she found out that I guess um you know like creatively I I had talents elsewhere I can't change a plug at home which she's still fuming about but I can do other things yeah you know spit bars mum watch this (laughs) you'll love this one yeah I I name check you in it mum yeah yeah but now she's super proud and did you take her to the BAFTAs no the thing is because we never we're not ever nominated for just us it's like the crew so we get tickets just for us sort of thing you know touch wood one day one day exactly has she she, does she come like does she come down on set or whatever and nah don't even mention stuff like that because she's fuming at me for not inviting her why didn't bring your mum on set nah because it's not like that it's it's a professional work environment George you're not allowed (laughs) gotcha gotcha What was the reaction in your kind of in your extended peer group then when it start when it actually started to happen? Well, it's like the classic, like you're right, mate. Yeah, no, I see your thing. Yeah, you're doing your thing, and then like behind my back, they're chatting shit. You know what I mean? It's like I sort of distanced myself from a lot of things from growing up because it was like a completely separate life. So you jumped forward, kind of. Yeah, thing in your life. yeah, yeah, yeah. Space. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yes, like I guess the the turning point was we got an email from. John Petrie, who works for Rough Cut. Um, and Rough Cut is owned by uh, the producer of The Office, Asha Tyler. It, it got to, like, maybe episode five of the webisodes. And we, in our minds, we were going to do another one, have six webisodes, and then try to approach people. Right. Um, now, we didn't realise this, but I think Asim was sending our stuff a little bit earlier, which is ironic, almost manager mode. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's in the hustle. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, episode six. Yeah, Don't yeah. Worry about Come all on, we've yeah. got five episodes, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. And then we had, I think, exactly the same time, John kind of messaged us. So we're like, yeah, okay, cool. Went in for a meeting with them. Obviously, we're massive fans of The Office and the company's owned by Ash. And we were a little bit worried about the man and selling your soul. You know what I mean? Right, the because music the whole, we're into yeah, the whole, the whole thing, like, you're, you're, yeah, you're anti the man. Yeah, exactly. Our, our whole like upbringing was about that. And uh, yeah, when we spoke to them, we said, you know, that would be, you know, it'd be great hands to... Hands off. Yeah, yeah, ha- hands great, on, but hands, hands off. Exactly. Like, it'd be great for you to help us develop this, but it has to be genuine and, and coming organically from us. And obviously, if we can learn along that... We, we, we had never written a script before. We'd never acted with a full team before. So amazing you know like definitely let's learn from this but uh you have to realize that this is our world and we're not really into much comedy so it's got to be a specific our taste you know what i mean and uh, they're amazing they let us have you know full control we're in the edit everything and john petrie has been amazing you know he's only like a year older than us he hadn't had that arrogance of being in the industry for I years smashed it. No, let me exactly, tell you a thing yeah. or two yeah exactly no no he's completely right, opposite that's of that. important very does much does he know so, that yeah. world yeah mm, uh not really, to right. be honest. Not really. Um, 
more so through us. So at first, when he was chipping in, we'd always be like, nah, that's a shit idea. Yeah. And then... He gets it now. now. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, yeah, by Series 2, his chipping in was invaluable, basically, yeah. Wow. And Ash, we got Ash Atala as well, because, like, he saw something in it and pushed it, goes to them big meetings and makes shit happen for us. So we're very fortunate, man, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And what about the director guy? He's young too, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's, yeah, he's like younger than us. Like he's like 29, I'm 32. We'd made a pilot and we weren't that happy with how the pilot looked because we wanted it to be a bit more gritty, a bit more documentary looking. That was important to us, just the realism of it. So we interviewed some other directors and I remember Jack Clough, he was like the last director of the day we were interviewing and we were looking at his credentials. We were like, oh, okay, yeah, he's done skins because... His dad was the producer on Skins. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People with famous dads. Uh. Yeah. Wankers. <laughs> Wankers. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean? You're like, okay, like he's from Hampstead Heath. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. all right, and is it going to yeah. be right for this world? And then we met him and he's completely insane in the best way possible. So dedicated. He'd watch all of the webisode stuff. He was quoting it. You could just tell he'd be so dedicated to it and he had such like a sort of genius way of thinking. And so on the spot, we're like, he's the one, like he's amazing. And people say the same thing to us, what you asked about John, like, does he know that world? Because, you know, he is posh. He, you know, he's, he's come from a line of creatives and lives in Hampstead Heath. And he's also brought up in London and yeah. he's like similar age to us. So even if he wasn't a part of it, he knows that world really well because he's been watching it. He's seen and, it. Yeah, he's seen it. So seen it on the tube. He's seen it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He might have been on the receiving end of it. Yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> he's bought weed from it. Yeah, exactly. He's bought weed from that world. That's right. But yeah, he's he's a G, man. We definitely couldn't have done it without him. Lovely to see a crew of, you know, young guys coming together and making something. And you can see, whilst obviously there's been some stewardship and some help and all the rest of it, it very definitely looks and feels like a really authentic thing that you guys, it's all you. Yeah, definitely. Like, we've had to learn to, like, pick our battles because early on I was well argumentative and defensive over it all. And then as time went on, I realised that there's so much we can learn from this process and the people we work with. And, uh, yeah, it's just invaluable, really. And then all of a sudden, uh, all the live shows started, yeah. probably like a year ago or two years ago. No, 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 no. Well, they been started since early. Day one. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, they okay. started from like when the pilot came out in right, 2012. Okay. We did our first one. Basically, someone messaged us saying, yeah, we throw warehouse parties in Acton, just down the road from Brentford. Like, we're from West London. Do you want to come down? And we're like, it's, it's not real. Like, we're just actors. And they're like, yeah, but obviously you lot can do it. And I, I know, I know you lot used to do it back in the day. And we're like, they're like, oh, we'll give you a bottle of vodka, a couple of hundred quid. We're like, yeah, fucking hell, yeah, go on then, let's do it. And we turned up there fully dressed in character, talking in character all night, which obviously we don't but do anymore because that's sniff, insane. You didn't yeah, out. yeah, yeah. And um, I remember us just sharing this one bottle of vodka, me holding it all night, like grind. I couldn't believe I've got like glass in a club, I'm holding it. And <laughs> it was actually sick. The first one was really good because it was a novelty, obviously. The champagne steam room was like when is that a couple of years ago now that was, yeah yeah that was like we, we started working with um, this promoter guy called um, Christian I love you Christian and then we sat around with him we thought of that name together and we started putting those nights on what's the premise you just spray champagne over yeah everybody. pretty much yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just thought it'd be funny like gr- gr- like Grinder and B's thinking of a name like champagne that's classy isn't it yeah. and steam rooms it gets hot and sweaty so perfect I mean see what I've done the accent yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You very subtle 
Yeah, very yeah. subtle. Very I'm right. a bit wavy right now because the man's drinking the champagne and that, do you know what I mean? We love you. Oh, fuck it. Bruv, there's not even nothing in it. Yes, there is something in it. Saying, don't, yeah. don't show that there's nothing in it. Steve, sit down. Don't just, like, there is turning in it, that's right. Yeah, so the live gigs have been amazing and then festivals came into play and we just did four festivals this weekend. How does that feel then to stand on stage being a very successful MC who is actually a parody of yourself who weird, wasn't a it? very successful it, it, MC. Sometimes I just think, what is life? Like, what am I doing? This is pretty mad. It's, it's sick because I'm basically living out my childhood dream at the same time of, you know, living my sort of current new, very fortunate dream of being able to be an actor and a writer. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's sick. And, and it's better in a way because you don't have to worry about fucking up. Like, you know, you could be drunk, you can, you, and you just, right, we're so just creating up, a party on like... stage. Yeah, we're in characters, it doesn't matter. Right. And then, like, we essentially just, like, Decoy does a dance hall bit, Steve comes out and fucks around dancing, drinking, and, you know, like. But he doesn't DJ. No, he, no, he does, he yeah, does, yeah. He does, yeah. He, Steve DJs the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but he also dances. Yeah, he also does a little dance and yeah. that. Uh, Fanta spraying out the champagne, Jabuz does a little bit. So it's like, we all chip in, and there's that, yeah, it's like the responsibilities all shared. And it's just fun now. Like it's like it used to be well nerve wracking, and it still is before you come on stage. But once you're on stage, it's just jokes. It's just like even though you're in character and you've done probably a hundred gigs anyway now, as uh, you, you still get nervous. Oh yeah, definitely. We get nervous if there's no one in the crowd, or we get nervous if it's a huge crowd. So there's two types of nervous. So like, this is how mad it is. We did best of all on the Friday. The crowd was huge. Like couldn't they, they couldn't even get in the tent. Yeah, in. exactly. I've watched it. So, and it. not even an arrogant way. I mean, I don't know why they're there. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, why? What for us? We're pieces of shit. It's fine. But like, do you believe then, that? Of course. Really? Yeah, we, do you know one bit of advice I give everyone? You should always remember you're a piece of shit. No one's above anyone. That's a little bit of advice. Okay. I tell that to people all the time. Yeah, and they look at me like you're looking at me now. <laughs> so, but then okay, but this is interesting because Grinder does feel yeah, he's above course, everybody. That's why. I, that's why. I made Grindr like that because I find people with egos hilarious. Like we've always laughed at people with egos, you know. Right. So I always fleet in and out of it because I think it's just funny anyway. But I just I just don't take it too seriously. But so we did that festival one, and then the next day we're hanging out of our minds, drive all the way down to tea party festival because we had to do a gig in Sheffield later. We're meant to be headlining this festival, this tea party, but we're playing at three in the afternoon. And no one's in the crowd, oh. and I'm hanging. You know, you're a bit anxious yeah. when you're hanging anyway, and I was like fuck, I'm literally going to be dancing around like a fucking performing monkey to no one. This is the worst. Like, finally, my life's real. This is it this now. Is it's actually been through nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as we got on stage, everyone started clogging and coming towards us. So, so everything good. was fine in the end. But uh, yeah, it's just that moments like that is where you get really nervous. Like, I, I literally, if it wasn't a job, I would have just walked off. I was like, in my mind, I can't do this. Man. Really? It was that it's bad? fucking degrading. No, no one, like no one in the crowd. And I'm screaming, Listen, mate, pretending I'm, to MC. What am I doing? So what's it like now, knowing that you've you've just wrapped the final series? How does it feel? I was in tears on the last day, man. I bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last scene that we filmed, so obviously it's not always in uh, in linear sort of order. Um, the last scene that we filmed was actually the last ever scene. Right. So it's me saying Smart. bye to Beats and shit. And yeah, and I, I was crying in the scene. It was mad. Yeah, it's really weird. That's proper acting, isn't it? That is. Yeah, just like psychotic almost. And how did it feel <laughs> the next day when you woke up? Do you know what? I'm more now as I get older. I'm I'm very sentimental and, and quite an emotional young man. 
when it when it's something you know like goodbyes and stuff like that so on the day you know i was in t on and off in tears all day you know next few days after that but then the week afterwards i'm back I'm into not, reality I'm <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm over it like who the fuck are those people <laughs> saying you're gonna stay in contact for years nah no, i'm I'll joking that where you off with all that kingston mob <laughs> yeah, <from> that? Yeah. <laughs> barely recognize you yeah put them in the fucking bin now <laughs> no i'm joking no it's just i just obviously i probably have a breakdown in a few months just keeping myself busy do you know what right, I mean? okay. so i'm doing this yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything. George, anything. Please, anything. Come on. Fill my days. Yeah. Yeah. We're not even recording. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, no one really knows who you are. Just do anything. like performance, something. Just do it. Come on. And so, what comes next then? But there's a few little projects like we're, uh, me, Steve, and the director of People's Enough in Jack are developing a little thing. We're writing a film at the moment. When would that come out? Next summer? I think so, yeah. Or next year sometime. I think we'll be filming it early next year. Um, but yeah, we're still waiting for all that to be kind of definite. It's a catch-22 with that stuff because you kind of have to have a script there for it to be okay and right. to get and the like, money in and all that. Improv, guys. Have you not watched yeah, it? Exactly. Not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Why don't you watch the first five series yeah, yeah, and then yeah. trust us? Yeah, yeah. Watch all the YouTube stuff. You yeah. know, it's fine, yeah. And then, yeah, there's a couple other little things as well. But Great. yeah, they're just really early. Also, my sort of passion in life is like traveling and eating good food and that's meeting people taste cadets that cultures. taste cadets I'm all right. about taste cadets come on yeah yeah so like me and my best mate Kieran and Marky um, we're doing this little thing where we just want to like travel not little not little not, not little yeah not big, big oh very much so we're not pieces of shit anymore actually yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah we just want to we're just pitching it at the moment so what is Taste Cadets well Taste not... Cadets is just three guys extremely good looking swaggy guys yeah travelling eating their way around the world but it's not a thing yet it's just more what we do, basically. And we're putting it into the universe. We made up an Instagram and like we just do it off the back of that at the moment, make little videos ourselves, and then we'll see where it takes us, I guess. But Great. Yeah, yeah, you're a good cook. Yeah, of course, man. You know I am. I know you're a good yeah, cook. Mate. Yeah. Well, I see it looks yeah, like it's yeah. tasty. It looks, that's what it matters, really. I don't know. I thought yeah, you might yeah. have brought a little Tupperware in or something. That's what, Insta no, that's what Instagram's about, isn't it? He's got to look right. It's great, yeah. but... Yeah, really, it tastes like shit. I'm joking. No, no, of course, man. I'm, I'm from a multicultural background. I've been cooking from a young age, and like I, I've always been like, obsessed with food and eating. And did you always know you were funny? I, I Do think, you think you're funny? That's what I mean. I think anyone that thinks they're funny isn't funny, really. You know, people are like, oh, I'm crazy, I am. Come on, I'm fucking Come on, No, obviously, I'm jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I step into a room, everyone laughs and right. points at me. So right, okay. it must think I'm funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny looking. But like, no, nah, I think, yeah, from an early age at school. You were going for laughs. I think so, yeah, yeah. I was, I was always trying to make people laugh. And I mean, it doesn't mean I did make people laugh. Um, did you do any drama at school? Nah, nah. I, I hate Why not? It. I, didn't, I didn't like all of that. I didn't like I, I was just into music, man. I don't know. I just felt like. Um, it's ironically, I just felt like, um, I don't know, like trying to be dramatic or trying to make people laugh isn't the sort of real version of it. And, and I always just liked what we did because it was like, I, I loved the improv fucking around my best mates part of it. But uh, now I actually do really enjoy the acting part of it, like giving some emotion and, you know, the sort of... Uh, what do you think acty, about? Acty do, do, do you do you would you have liked to have done some training now? Looking yeah, back I, on I think it? yeah, I think I I, I I might as well. Like me and Hugo were talking about it the other day, more like sort of Al Pacino one on one sort of shit 
rather yeah. than like what, a with Al Pacino. Cross. With Al Pacino, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, what, no. uh, what's that like, Lee Strasbourgy type Fuck stuff? Nice. Yeah, I just method like proper. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of shit. Yeah, yeah, because I, I love. Yeah, I, I do. I do really love it now. The studio where he learned, I think it's called HB Studio or something, and it's still going in. Sick. I might pop down. In New York. Yeah, I might shoot down and come outside. Sup? (laughs) Where the fuck's Al Pacino? (laughs) I I saw on the pamphlet it said Al Pacino. (laughs) And I suppose, you know, there's a good chance that lots of people in the creative industry will be listening to this, you know, mm. young people figuring their way through it all. What advice would you give to them, apart from you're a piece of shit? Yeah, yeah, just always remember you're a piece of shit. <laughs> but above all, the thing is just like, just collaboration, I feel like, is really important as well. Um, like, try and surround yourself by like-minded people. This is the most obvious thing to say, but just keep trying. Just like the first thing we tried happened to work. Just keep being creative however you can. And don't worry about the money or any of that bollocks because like, if, if it's good and if you keep going, that, that shit will follow. Also, what does my opinion matter? You shouldn't give a fuck about my opinion. If you like it and you think it's good, keep pushing it. If it don't work, then it's, it's, it might be shit, but then try something else. Do you know what I mean? You might do it for 10 years and realise you're better working off in a call centre. Who knows? And find your passion there. But you just got to keep trying, man. Well, I feel like we've Sick. covered it. Sick. You found out everything you wanted to know. Yeah, I feel, for exactly. For years you've been for calling years, for a chat. Mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> finally, finally, desperate to fill his days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alan, it's been lovely talking nice to you, man. man. Thank, Thank you for you coming much. in. I wish you the best of luck. It's been lovely watching you lot develop and grow and, and watch this thing flourish into the, the literally one of the biggest things in Britain right now. Thank you. Um, and it's beautiful. And uh, and I'm I'm grateful you come to say hello, man. Thanks for your kind words. Thanks for your support, man. Appreciate it, brother. Nice one. Cheers, bro. This episode of Soho House Stories was brought to you by Radio Wolfgang and Soho House and featured me, George Lamb, talking to Alan Mustafa. 